University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkway. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. Well, about 2,500 years ago, there was a man named Heraclitus, a Greek philosopher, who's thought to have been the first one to say that change is the only constant in life. You may have heard that phrase before. It's a slight mistranslation, actually, of what he really said, but the root idea is there. Change is simply a fact of life, isn't it? From the largest span of the cosmos with galaxies constantly swirling and colliding, transforming themselves down to the very cells of our bodies, everything is in a constant state of change. But you don't have to be invested in the world of science to see this. All you have to do is look around you, perhaps at your own life. Bank account balances change. Your home changes. Relationships change. Your children change. Neighborhoods change. Jobs and coworkers change. Technology changes, and on and on and on it goes. And it can become a bit dizzying if you think about it too much, at least for me, to realize that there isn't a whole lot in life that actually remains static for very long. Maybe you're one of the rare few who actually enjoys change. Maybe you find it a bit exciting. I would imagine most of us, though, are not in that category. For most of us, I bet change is often a bit scary. Change means unknowns. It means a loss of control. It means not being able to prepare for what comes next. But we're continuing along in our series today, dumping Jezebel, boldly stepping beyond life's greatest obstacles. And if you haven't guessed it by now, the obstacle we'll think about this morning is change. How do we respond when change comes our way? As it always does throughout life. And while there are so many changes that we experience throughout life, it would be impossible to talk about them all on one Sunday morning. So today, we'll focus on the kinds of large-scale change that we might experience as a church community or maybe as a society at large. We've seen much change in the last several months. As a result of this pandemic, as well as the national discourse that has emerged anew regarding racism in our country, how might we as Christians, as the church, respond to these developments and these changes that we see around us? Well, our primary scripture today comes from Acts chapter 10. Just two verses, verses 27 and 28. It's a story that might provide us some insight and wisdom into this question about change. Here's what those two verses say. As they continued to talk, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, You all realize that it is forbidden for a Jew to associate or visit with outsiders. However, God has shown me that I should never call a person impure or unclean. 
You all realize that, dot, dot, dot. However, God has shown me, dot, dot, dot. Now, if you aren't familiar with the context of this story, I invite you to walk with me through a brief recap. Peter, the Apostle Peter, is on the rooftop of a friend's house, and he's praying, as he often did, on the rooftop. And he has a strange vision of sorts, something like a sheet descending from the sky. And on this sheet are all kinds of different animals. And he heard a voice that said, kill and eat. Peter refuses, though, because he's remembering his scriptures, particularly in Leviticus 11. There's a restriction against eating these certain kinds of creatures that he sees on this sheet because they were unclean. Now, the voice insists, though. It says, never consider unclean what God has made pure. It's a strange statement. It was a contradiction to what Peter understood the law to say. Now, this happened three times, a biblical number that tells us we might want to pay special attention. And then Peter is left bewildered. Now, as the story continues, unbeknownst to Peter, a Gentile man named Cornelius had a vision of his own, where he is told to send messengers to bring Peter back to him, Peter being a man that he had never met. Now, as soon as Peter's vision ceases... The men show up at his door and ask him to come to Cornelius' home to share a message with them. He, Peter, a Jew, being summoned to interact with Gentiles in their home, something that he wasn't supposed to do. As a side note, we might wonder how Peter could walk for three years with Jesus, a man who ate with all kinds of people, many kinds of people that were very different from him, and how Peter still didn't have it through his thick skull that this was not just okay, but actually what he was called to do. But nonetheless, Peter is devoted to his God and to the scriptures, and he knows them well. There was a debate among Jews in the ancient world about interacting with non-Jews. And Peter held the opinion that they weren't supposed to intermingle in the same way that he was not supposed to eat those unclean animals. So Peter finds himself in Cornelius' house, maybe reluctantly, but when he gets there, he says, as we read, you all realize, just as I do, that it's forbidden for me to be here. And yet, God has shown me something new. If you didn't catch the connection, in Peter's vision, the unclean animals are an analogy. They're a stand-in for the kinds of people that he felt he shouldn't be interacting with. He had lived with this notion that certain people were outside of God's purview or God's grace. But God corrects his thinking. You know just as well as I do that I'm not allowed to be here, and yet God has shown me otherwise. You might hear the words of Jesus echoing here in Peter's words. You have heard it said, but I say to you. This may be an unsettling question for us to think about, but it's one that I think is very important. What in your life, what in your life do you know with absolute certainty 
will never change. I ask this question not to upset us or cause discomfort, but to simply face the reality that life doesn't stay the same for very long. The important question, I think, is not to ask how we can grip our life so tightly, to grip what we know and are familiar with so tightly that we smother it. But maybe, how can we loosen our grip and trust God in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of change? It wasn't but five months ago that I was absolutely certain that I would be in the chapel or here in the sanctuary at University Baptist every Sunday worshiping with my brothers and sisters in Christ. It wasn't even a question in my mind, and it may not have been in yours either. And yet, here we are. Things changed. Just a few months ago, it was a near certainty in many of our minds that the words, Black Lives Matter, would never pour forth from the lips of certain people in our society, that they might, those words might have remained on the fringes, and yet I have witnessed such a unity, compassion, and solidarity for those who are oppressed and hurting, from people that I might have prejudged. I was wrong. God changed my heart. Peter was absolutely certain that Jews and Gentiles were not supposed to intermingle, and yet God showed him a new way. You all realize that, dot, dot, dot. You all know, dot, dot, dot. You're certain, dot, dot, dot. And yet, God has shown me otherwise. To be sure, not all change is good. Not all change comes from God. But I think all change brings the opportunity for growth and life and wholeness if we're open to it. God is still in the midst of this somehow. It's not often comfortable and it's not often easy, but I believe that growth requires of us, and I think our story today shows us, that growth requires that we open ourselves to be challenged, and to change. We've all had to do a lot of that in these last several months. And I've seen those of us in this faith community walk through this with beauty and grace and courage. You're finding new ways to work and care for your families and your neighbors, rolling with the punches as businesses open and close. Many of you may be affected even financially by that. Here at UBC, we're finding the best ways to move through this, or at least we're trying to. Today, though, I think the question is, just like for Peter, what will our faith community look like now? It's not that we're hitting the pause button or the stop button on ministry, but rather that ministry might simply be changing form for a while. So how might we change and adapt How might we allow ourselves personally and collectively to be transformed in order to meet those needs around us? Perhaps rather than just waiting for some time in the future when things come back to normal. This work of the gospel, this work of the good news, I think is too important to squander away 
on grasping for the way things used to be. And it isn't just our current situation that shows us this. We've all heard the statistics of church membership declining for decades, the relevance of a faith community dwindling seemingly for many people around us. You may have heard of Phyllis Tickle, the church historian and author, and she published a book in 2008 entitled The Great Emergence, How Christianity is Changing and Why. It's been a very influential book in the world of ecclesiology. And in it, she posits the theory that every 500 years since the church came into existence, the church has undergone a major transformation of some kind. 500 years after Christ lived, Pope Gregory the Great helped bring the church out of the Dark Ages through sending the first large-scale missionary movement to from Rome to the then-pagan Anglo-Saxons in England. This radically transformed the church. Until then, it had been centered around the Mediterranean Sea, for the most part, and North Africa. 500 years after that, the Great Schism occurred, when the church divided between East and West, another seismic shift that radically changed the world. 500 years after that, of course, the Protestant Reformation occurred. And the Western Church split again between Protestants and Catholics. The Anglican Bishop Mark Dyer calls these episodes of transformation giant rummage sales. He writes, The church takes a look at all of its old stuff, and it decides to sell what it no longer needs anymore. Now, that might sound a little scary. But to be fair, these rummage sales have historically been the faithful response of Christians in responding to the new needs and the changing world around them. Now, if you were doing your math, you might have realized that we're about 500 years from the Reformation. And this is Phyllis Tickle's main thesis in her book. Where, what will we see now from the church in response to this changing world? This world that has brought the internet, a much smaller community as we can travel so much easier now. The world has changed rapidly in the last 100 years, 50 years, 10 years, six months. How will the church respond? How will we respond? As we wrap up here in just a few minutes, I think Peter's story offers us Three suggestions, three movements that we can make through change. I think first, we can open ourselves, open ourselves up to new information, to the change that's happening around us. Whether we think we might agree with what's happening or not, simply open ourselves to the experience. Two, I think we can allow this new information to change us. And third, maybe we can move back out into the world as changed people to continue changing the world. Notice what happens in verse 23 of our story today. After Peter has his vision, this strange and confusing, befuddling new information about what he is allowed to call clean and unclean, about what he's allowed to call acceptable or appropriate, he finds that there's some people at his doorstep. 
who he only knows to be Gentile men. Now, previously, Peter might have ended the conversation as quickly as possible, shut the door, gone back inside to his safe and comfortable environment where there are no Gentiles, thank you very much. And yet, verse 23 says this, Peter invited them into his house as guests. It's a short sentence, but it packs a punch. Maybe that Peter remembered how Jesus had welcomed tax collectors and sinners into his midst, how he had opened himself up to all that life brought before him. Scary or not. Peter opens his door, literally and figuratively, to the new and the strange that he encountered. And he trusts, perhaps God has something new for him in this moment. So what in your life could you open yourself to right now? When faced with change or uncertainty, our gut reaction is often to close ourselves off, to hunker down into what is familiar, to push away the things that challenge us. Could you open yourself to what God might be bringing your way? Let's briefly look at these last two movements. Peter secondly, allows himself to be transformed by this new experience, by these new people that come into his midst, by God as God works in him through this situation. When he arrives at the home of Cornelius, he shares with them about what he has seen. That verse in 28 that we heard, you all realize that I'm not supposed to be here, and yet God has shown me something new. Peter had to allow God to show him something new. To be clear, God never changed in this story. This isn't a story about God changing God's mind, but about a faithful human being, a faithful follower of Jesus, allowing his eyes to be open to something that has been true about God's character all along. Sometimes, we simply have to catch up to where God is. So what in your life, or in the life of our church community, might God be calling us to wake up to, to have our eyes open to in a fresh way, to see the way that God sees? Again, not all change is necessarily good. It doesn't mean that we have to align ourselves with the changes that we see around us, or even agree with them. But even if it's something that we viscerally disagree with, or that we think is wrong, or that we think is not good? Could we open ourselves to it, allow it to embolden us even, to grow us, maybe just to give us greater insight? Finally, Peter walks out in faith as a transformed person in order to transform the world around him. The very next story in Acts chapter 11 Peter takes this message to the church in Jerusalem. It's a really fascinating story. Those in Jerusalem question him. They accuse him, saying, you mingled with outsiders. The same accusation that Peter, just days before, probably would have offered to himself. They hadn't quite caught up to where God would eventually bring them. But Peter shares with them that 
what God had shown him on the rooftop was that acceptance is what he was called to. Verse 18 says, Once the apostles and other believers heard this, they calmed down. I love that. They calmed down. And they praised God and concluded, So then, God has enabled Gentiles to change their hearts and lives so that even they might have new life. It wasn't just the Gentiles' hearts that were changed, of course, but those very followers of Jesus that were open to something new. So when you look at the world around you, are there things that break your heart? Are there things that cause you to feel pain and suffering with others? Are there things that cause you to leap for joy when you see others experiencing joy? There is much work to do, much gospel work to be done around us. But it seems that from everything we find in the scriptures, that it's transformed people who then go and transform the world. The question for us is whether we will loosen our grip a bit on what's familiar, on what is known or certain, that we might allow God to show us something new and to be transformed. God, the foundation of everything, is always with us in this process. This loving process of being called more and more fully into who we were created to be. So can we trust God in this? Will you allow yourself, will we allow ourselves as a community to be drawn by God into this process of transformation? so that we might be prepared to then go and transform the world around us. In our time of reflection this morning, I invite you to just think about this simple question, perhaps even just this week. What is one way that you might be able to open yourself to the change around you, to something new that God might show you? Trusting that God is there with you in the process.